With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. You're listening to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee on Saga 960. I was left in my own diva. Welcome to This Week in Golf on Saga 960. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Appreciate you joining me on This Week in Golf. We're going to talk some golf, believe it or not. Although the PGA Tour's new schedule doesn't begin until next week, we still had a big tournament happening over in England with the BMW PGA Championship. We had plenty of excitement and drama all week, both on the course and on social media, which is the beauty of golf. So we'll get into some of the drama we saw with Billy Horschel versus Ian Poulter on the practice green over at Wentworth. The two of them kind of got into it a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about that. We also had Horschel on a media campaign to slag anything and everything to do with LIV. I heard Horschel on the Jim Rome show, which is a huge show. It's syndicated with several hundred stations all across Canada and the United States. He also had several different comments on a couple other ESPN shows, which feels to me like an orchestrated campaign to disparage LIV. That also begs the question, who asked for him to do that? Because Billy Horschel just didn't wake up and decide to book himself on a bunch of American national sports shows just to slag LIV. So who asked him to do that? And what are they worried about now if they continue to push this attack and the negative media campaign against LIV? So just like the JFK assassination plot, the LIV versus PGA Tour battle gets more strange and bizarre the further you keep digging into this. So just thought it was really weird that Horschel was on this media campaign because someone had to book that for them. We also had another odd and painfully monotonous press conference from DP Tour Commissioner Keith Pelley, who provided another State of the Union address while staring at a piece of paper on the table and showing zero emotion whatsoever. It was really strange, but play some audio from that a little later on in the show. We'll dive into it because he did have some pretty interesting comments. We also have the President's Cup upcoming starting next week, which is happening down at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we'll talk a little bit about that now that we have the captains picked in, which includes two Canadians on the international team, Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith. President's Cup's used an exciting week of golf and for golf quotes because for some reason when these guys get together, they all get a little goofy and weird and start saying really weird stuff. It's kind of like this frat boy mentality kicks in 
um, with some of these guys getting a team setting. And then we also have the inevitable guys slagging each other after someone plays poorly and doesn't pull their weight during the actual competition. Everyone starts pointing fingers. And so from a media point of view, that's always interesting to me. So I'm really looking forward to this year's President's Cup. Should be some good golf as well and just entertaining all around. We also had Brooke Anderson back in action this week down in the exotic locale of Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, I was thinking about this once I realized where they were playing. I love how the LPG Tour can't figure out why they can't grow their game. Like, why can't we get a bigger TV deal? Now, I've mentioned this a couple times before on the show that I was an agent for the biggest music agency in the country for several years. And when you want to break a band or have them become more popular, you have to book them in the right cities, in the right venues, with the right promoters or club owners. Like you can't have hip hop artists playing a heavy metal club and vice versa. And you can't be playing dive bars if, if you think all of a sudden you're gonna become popular or cool. So here are some of the cities that the LPG tours played in the past year, aside from Cincinnati. Look, I've been to Cincinnati, I like it, but it's not exactly uh, a glamorous worldwide city. But last week they played in Sylvania, Ohio. I'd never heard of it until last week. They also have stops in Rogers, Arkansas. Cue the uh, the banjo music in the background. The Colony, Texas. And then the LPGA Tour has five different tournaments in Florida between November 10th and February 5th. Now, they're all listed in a row on the PGA or on the LPG tour schedule, excuse me. I'm assuming they have a couple international events somewhere in between, but as far as the LPG tour schedule, five tournaments in a row in Florida between November 10th and February 5th. Now, again, as a music agent, you learn not to flood certain markets because it can kill demand for the band. In music, a lot of club owners and festival promoters have what they call a radius clause when they want to try to book a band so the band can't play within a two-hour drive or maybe within six months of another gig in that city because for example let's say you book drake at your venue and then you find out drake's playing some other venue uh, a month before your show well obviously that's going to kill ticket sales and kill the vibe and so you can't have that so they put these radius clauses in yet the lpga tour has five tournaments in a row in florida what are you doing i understand florida's beautiful but how is that growing the game when you're playing the same market, essentially? Because all these courses are, you know, 30, 40-minute drive within each other. So how are you selling the tickets? Can you imagine the PGA Tour playing five tournaments in a row in Ontario? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're playing Mississauga, Kitchener, Belleville, Oshawa, and then we're heading up to North Bay. Now, I know all those towns have beautiful golf courses. I've played a bunch of them. But... And I also know that Florida's a lot nicer than Ontario between November and February. But to put five tournaments in a row in Florida simply makes no sense. And it's not a great way to grow the game. So can you imagine being in a band and your agent sends you the tour routing and there's no New York City, Los Angeles, or Chicago on the list, or you know Montreal, Vancouver, but you have Cincinnati, Sylvania, Ohio, Ottawa, and then Rogers, Arkansas, and five shows in Florida all on the same list. It's ridiculous. So if the LPG wants to grow their game, how about playing in major league cities, stop playing in minor league cities, get to the big leagues. Like I never really paid attention to where the LPG tour plays, but once you actually look at it, it's like, dude, or sorry, it's like ladies, you may want to switch that up and throw in a major city 
and some more desirable markets. Anyways, as for my week or the past weekend, I didn't really do much. Didn't play any golf. Um, Friday night I went to my local pub, but I walk in and they have the Blue Jay game on every single TV with the sound on. And look, I love Buck Martinez and Dan Schulman as broadcasters, but I don't want my Friday night spent sitting listening to baseball for three hours. So I just turned in and walked right around. And I ended up going to Boston Pizza for one drink, but that was a miserable experience. And I just went home. So I ended up getting a good sleep. But uh, the best part is I have the owner of that pub that I go to all the time often complaining to me about, you know, businesses struggling and they can't get any younger people to come into the pub anymore. And I, and I want to tell him, like, have you considered stop playing baseball with the volume on on a Friday night? <laughs> like no music, no vibe, no energy. Maybe if you stop playing the Blue Jays on a Friday night, people will come to your damn bar. But uh, I mean, I get when they do that for Leafs games, but like the Blue Jays players themselves don't care as much about all 162 Blue Jay games as the guys in this pub too. So I ended up going to a Moxie's on Saturday night. It was a great vibe. Some music bumping, multiple sports in every TV. It was great energy. Beautiful girls working there. It was fun. But uh, I laid low mostly because I'm going to be on the road every week for the next six weeks or so with my son playing university soccer. Next week, I'm down in London at Western University to watch him. And then I'm up in Sault Ste. Marie, which is his home games. I'm heading there the week after. And then they're playing York University. So driving to the West End of Toronto both Saturday and Sunday to watch. And so really excited about that. But anyways, let's get into what happened in this week in golf. This past weekend in Wentworth, England, Shane Lowry was able to edge out Rory McIlroy and John Rahm at the BMW PGA Championship, which is a DP Tour event. Lowry posted a 7-under par 65 to finish at 17-under and get his first win in almost three years since he won the Open Championship back in 2019. I found that really surprising that Lowry hasn't won on the DP Tour or the PGA Tour since 2019 because I remember watching just about every shot he hit that week at the Open back in 2019. I was down in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania at a soccer camp for my son, one of the best weekends of my life. But I was glued to the TV in my hotel watching Lowry, and he played perhaps the best golf of his life. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. Uh, and to think that he hasn't been able to come close to matching that for almost three years is really surprising. But the win this weekend was almost equally as impressive as what he did at the Open in 2019 because he held off some of the world's best players playing some of their best golf John Rahm is currently the world's number six ranked player and former world number one who came out and shot a 62 on Sunday, which included a DP Tour best 29 on the back nine. A 29. I can't shoot 29 on the back nine of my local mini golf course. Never mind the BMW PGA Championship. It was incredible. I, I mean, I thought, you know, seeing Rahm do that, I'm like, okay, it's he's locked in. It's his. But Rahm was in the clubhouse early, and it looked like he may have done enough to win. These were his comments after shooting 62 on Sunday. John, an amazing 62, but a phenomenal back nine, 29 to shoot 62. What were your thoughts starting the day? Were you thinking about a score? Nope. Uh, I was thinking to go as low as possible. And to be fair, after those first seven holes, missed the birdie part on seven. I was one under. I thought I fell behind pace, and Adam told me, let's see. Let's see if we can get to 13, 14 in double digits under par. And, you know, to my delight, I started hitting a lot of good shots into the greens, kept hitting fairways and made the putts and found myself on 14 T at, at already a 13 under par. So, um, you know, it was a period of not blackout, but it's a state of flow that we wish we could play in every single round that I got into and uh, I finished it off. 
So yeah, thought Ram had done enough, but alas, he hadn't. Lowry headed into the final round, two strokes off the lead. He made an eagle and five birdies to post the seven under 65 and close out a bogey-free week at Wentworth, but it almost wasn't enough. Rory McIlroy needed an eagle on 18 to tie Lowry and force a playoff. He was on the green in two and had about a 20 to 25-foot putt for eagle that rolled just right at the lip of the cup and couldn't drop in. This is what it sounded like. It's sort of down the fall line, isn't it? And, you know, just left of it, it goes left, just right of the fall line, it goes right. Can he read it? the nearly man of the BMW PGA Championship becomes the man. It is victory for Shane Lowry. So the gasp and then all the claps you heard at the end was Lowry and his caddy and family hugging and embrace each other and kind of pat each other on the back. So that's what those smacks were after realizing Rory's putt didn't drop from. So following the win, Lowry is obviously emotional and ecstatic to finally get that three-year monkey off his back. That's what he had to say means a lot it means a lot it's been uh, you know it's been a good year but I felt like I've been close a few times and I felt like you know I've only got a few tournaments left this season and I really wanted to try and win one and obviously this one is right up there at the top of the list I I love it here I've contended in the past and even going down the back nine on Sun uh, today I was like you know the, the, the bad shots that I've hit over the, the years in contention actually started to creep into my head it's amazing what this game does but I'm Oh, I'm so happy. Like I'm honestly, words can't put into how much I'm, you know, how happy I am, how much this means to me, um, how much I love this tour, how much I love this tournament, and um, yeah, I'm the happiest man in the world right now. Now, obviously, one of the big issues all week was that many of the LIV golfers were on hand at Wentworth and allowed to play, which didn't sit well with Lowry and others. And he also had this to say after his win on Sunday. You know, I made no secrets as to how I feel about the whole thing at the start of the week. And um, I wanted to go out and win this tournament for myself, first and foremost. But I think for this tour and, you know, everyone that has stayed loyal to this tour and everyone that's done everything for this tour, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, this is this is one for the good guys. I couldn't track down any audio of Rory after missing out on the win on Sunday, but he did have some comments to start the week about all the LIV guys being in England. Wasn't too happy about it. This is what Rory McIlroy was talking about. Uh, look, my opinion is they shouldn't be here. Um, they've been paid a lot of money to go play on a different tour that is trying to buy the professional game in golf and um, they're taking spots away from from players that really need spots this week um, you know this is a massive event on the European tour and you're you know there's there's guys that have missed out because of those players that could have been in and could have kept their cards for next year and and kept themselves in a job the next year you know these these guys don't have to worry about that, that sort of stuff they're here because their tour doesn't give world ranking points and this tour does so um, like my opinion, they shouldn't be here, but you know the the court ruling in July was that they can be. So until that gets rectified, um, or not rectified, but is it gets more in in, in detail and more in depth, um, you know they they can play, and and that's you know we can't really do anything about that. I can voice my opinion, but it doesn't change anything. And likewise, Ryder Cup qualification starts this week. 
would I be fair to say the general consensus amongst many leading European players is that you don't really want those guys anywhere near the team this time next year? Not really. I mean, they've been divisive, but I think about the guys that have went from the tour, um, especially this tour. You know, they're they're you know their best days are behind them, and and they would, you know, I think they would concede that as well. So like we have to we have to think about the future of the European team. You know, we have to. You know, we've got like a group of seven players, like a core seven, I think, and we've got we need to fill that extra five with young, ambitious players. We need to blood a few new people in Rome and. Look, regardless of the result in Rome, I think that'll be a, ultimately a really good thing for the European Ryder Cup team because you're bringing fresh blood in, and you're and and you know it's a little bit of a rebuild at this yeah. point. But I, I I think that's what what we need. Now, one of the things I found interesting at the end of that clip where Rory was saying that the Europeans are in a rebuild mode when it comes to the Ryder Cup, which is never a good thing. So Rory would rather win with guys of lesser talent than play with guys with bigger bank accounts than him because he doesn't approve of who's signing their paychecks. I just think that's a little naive, and it goes against the old motto of just win, baby, or perhaps it's not show friends, it's show business. Another thing of note this past week was because of the death of the Queen, they canceled one of the rounds, so it was only a 54-hole tournament at Wentworth over in England. And so after months of these guys claiming LIV isn't a real tour because they only play 54 holes, they just played 54 holes. So another ironically rich moment this past week on the DP Tour. Saw a bunch of funny comments about all that on Twitter, which made for a fun Friday. But when I woke up on Sunday morning and put the Golf Channel on, Patrick Reed had a two-stroke lead. And I was proud. I was like, oh, sweet. I was praying he'd win because it would make for such an interesting story to tell on the show. But Or any of the LIV guys winning would. But alas, Reed faltered late and finished tied for fifth. Taylor Gooch was the top LIV guy after finishing in fourth place. So, yeah, a decent showing for the LIV guys showing that, you know, hey, they can at least still want to compete and go over and win as opposed to just playing for a paycheck and not caring about results. Obviously, they they played 54 holes because of the death of the Queen, which I just found it fascinating. Look, my parents are from England. I'm the first one in my entire family born in Canada. My dad's one of eight. I have about 40-something first cousins still in England alone. I love England, been there many times, but I simply don't give the slightest care that the queen died i mean you know who cares it's just an outdated thing i'm fascinated by the royal monarchy read many books i'm very well versed in it but i simply don't care and it was just weird to see kind of you know young men fawning over about the queen dead she's like what 96 98 i don't think anyone should be surprised that a 90 something year old woman died but uh alas it is what it is and i just couldn't care less and i'm sure a lot of people out there can relate Anyways, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Hit me up on Instagram at Mr. McKee CM and subscribe to This Week in Golf on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. So coming up in the next few segments on This Week in Golf, we're going to talk more about what happened at Wentworth, including the Billy Horschel versus Ian Poulter saga that went down on the practice greens. It was pretty funny and a bunch of great comments on social media about that. Also going to talk about Scotty Scheffler being named PGA Tour Player of the Year, as well as previewing the upcoming President's Cup. I'm Chris McKee. You're listening to This Week in Golf on Saga 960. You're listening to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee on Saga 960.
no radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You're listening to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee on Saga 960. Make up my mind for cycle down in our life. I'm a fine right lady. Girl, you know when I'm with you. Rain or shine, sky's still blue. Got the room with the save you. And it's just the preview. We're gonna Scotty Scheffler is a tour winner for the first time. There's been some magnificent breakthrough winners through the years yeah. of this tournament. Well, that's been three. a launching pad for a lot of them. That's our three for three to start the season. All first time winners. And Scotty Scheffler with another quick win. Oh, He's like, what happened? He was over on the practice tee, warming up for oh, a potential playoff. Up, Two putts to not only win the championship, but to ascend to number one in the world. And that's going to do it. There's a new number one. His name is Scotty Scheffler right here in Texas. Eventually it's going to go in and eventually he's going to win the Masters. This one is still for the, for the Masters. Jacket. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the 2022 Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler. So welcome back to this week in golf on Saga 960. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Subscribe to This Week in Golf on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcasts, aside from listening to this radio show. So as you just heard, that was a montage of the four wins this year by Scotty Scheffler, who was just named PGA Tour Player of the Year this past Saturday. He won with 89% of the votes, which is a pretty impressive tally. The 26-year-old Scheffler's record on the season included those four wins I mentioned, one at the Waste Management Open, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is a pretty big tournament, the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play, and of course, he was this year's Masters Champion. Scheffler also finished number two in the FedEx Cup total, finished fourth in scoring average, and recorded a total of 11 top tens on the year, so a pretty incredible year. So for those that missed it, Scheffler was on ESPN College Game Day this past Saturday down in Austin, Texas. Scheffler played his college golf at Texas, so whenever they have a big college football game, they bring back the famous alumni to be on the panel at game day. Now, Matthew McConaughey is an alum of the University of Texas. They usually roll him out, but for this time, they rolled out Scotty Scheffler. And this week, Texas was hosting number one ranked Alabama, so it was a huge game. And while the Longhorns faltered on the field late against Bama, it was a good one. Scheffler was given the surprise of his life live on television, and this is what it sounded like. All right, you win the Masters. One of the perks of winning the Masters, you get to wear that green jacket. You weren't able to bring it today, but we don't want you to go in the stadium empty-handed. We want to thank you for making the effort to come out here. So we wanted to give you a little something, a little gift, if you don't mind. Bring it over here, Coach. We'll let you pull the, the thing off. There you go. And there it is, the Jack Nicklaus Award given to the 2022 PGA Tour Player of the Year. Congratulations. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> a little teary. I don't yeah, blame you. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. That's pretty cool. There we go. I, don't, I don't have much to say. I, don't. <laughs> I was definitely not expecting that, but that's... that's 
Yeah, that means a lot to me. So that's all right. Congratulations. Yeah. So whenever they have game day, they get really huge crowds, as you heard there. Everyone chanting Scotty, Scotty. These people line up at like six o'clock in the morning just to be allowed into the game day area. And it's always a big deal for the Americans. But they had his college coach bring out the trophy and surprise Scheffler with the player of the year announcement. It looked natural to me and not staged because as you heard, Scotty got generally emotional and it didn't seem fake and I thought it was really touching and nice and so it's pretty cool to see and also you know them bringing out the college coach allowing him to do that that had to be pretty cool honor for him so there you have it Scheffler player of the year now Scheffler was also named player of the year in Corn Ferry Tour back in 2019 he won the Arnold Palmer Award as the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year in 2020 and by being named player of the year in the PGA he's the first player to win all three of those awards doing it in a four-year span Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this just in, Scotty Scheffler's pretty good. So for, you know, in golf world, everyone knew this guy was going to be pretty good. Obviously, he's winning on the Corn Ferry and then Rookie of the Year on the PGA Tour. So no surprise that he was eventually Player of the Year. But I just think his meteoric rise, that's what's really surprising. To do all that within four years is just crazy. I mean, that's like in soccer terms, you know, getting promoted. You know, the way the English Premier League, you go from League 2 to League 1 to the Championship to the Premier League. And then winning, that's like doing that in four years and then winning the Premier League. So just really impressive stuff for Scheffler. Keep in mind, he's just 26. So I'll be honest. In spite of Scheffler being the Masters champ and the world number one, I actually thought Rory McIlroy deserved to be player of the year. After all, he did beat Scotty head-to-head in the FedEx Cup Championship at Eastlake a couple weeks ago. And to me, that was the dividing line. When they went head-to-head, Rory beat him. So Rory's resume on the season, three wins, including at the CJ Cup, the RBC Canadian Open, and obviously the Tour Championship at Eastlake. He was the 2022 FedEx Cup champ, first player to win the FedEx Cup three times, did it in 2016 and 2019. He led the PGA Tour in scoring average, the lowest on tour since Tiger Woods in 2009. I mean, just that alone right there is that that stat alone is a reason to be player of the year. And Rory also recorded a total of 10 top 10s, and he beat Scheffler head-to-head at Eastlake. So for me, I thought Rory got jobbed a little bit on that, but I also understand that it makes sense. Now, Cam Smith also nominated, but we all knew, you know, with him going to LIV, there was zero chance in hell he was going to get any votes in spite of his impressive season. That included three wins, including the Century Tournament of Champions, the Players' Championship, which is regarded as the fifth major. So that's a huge win. And then winning the Open Championship, another massive win, the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. That was really special. So Smith finished 20 in the FedEx Cup. He could have been a lot higher, but remember he bowed out over the last couple of weeks because I guess he'd figured 
you know, once they awarded him that two-stroke penalty at the BMW Championship, he knew these guys are out to get me, so I might as well just bounce and go get my 100 mil, whatever the heck it is he got from LIV, and he's gone. So only finished 20th in the FedEx Cup. Could have been a lot higher. But Smith finished second in scoring average behind Rory, better than Scotty Scheffler, and he also had seven top 10s and made 15 cuts on the year. So, I mean, you can make an argument for any guy, but to me, obviously, it was down to Scheffler and Rory. I thought Rory should have got it. But hey, they gave it to Scheffler. So what this says to me is that the PGA players that voted may have been tipped off to vote for Scotty because the PGA Tour is desperate to create new stars. It took them nearly a decade to get over the Tiger Woods stardom hangover where it seemed no matter who they pushed forward and marketed and put on the pedestal, nobody seemed to care. Fans didn't care because the guy's name wasn't Tiger Woods. But now that the likes of Rory McIlroy have become bona fide superstars, they need to add more to that list. And so Scheffler being the player of the year, that now catapults him into superstardom. And um, hopefully this, you know, starts the, the wheels in motion for the PGA Tour to make this guy a real star, not just in golf world, but also in, you know, regular sports world. So, you know, average the average soccer mom might know who Scotty Scheffler is because right now I doubt she does. Now, one of the issues is, as you heard with the trophy presentation with Scheffler on game day, he's not exactly media savvy. Now, I spoke to Scotty when he was here in Toronto. Good dude. Really good dude. He's decent with the media, but he's just not great yet. And he's got to learn to let people in more and let us know who the real Scotty Scheffler is right now. Because at this point, we don't. Only the real golf insiders know who this guy is. And so, with so many big names leaving for LIV, including Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and Phil Mickelson. It was imperative for the PGA Tour for Scheffler to win this player of the year just to help fill the void for some of the lack of superstars left on the PGA. So congrats to Scotty, and hopefully he can maintain that success moving forward and keep on winning next year because nobody wants to see anyone fall off the face of the earth. And uh, he obviously didn't finish the season the way he started it, but this guy's obviously got plenty of game left. Now, another big plus for Scheffler, he was already included at Team USA for the upcoming President's Cup at Quail Hollow down in Charlotte, along with Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, and Tony Finau. That's a pretty impressive group right there. And then Team Captain Davis Love III this past week added Colin Morikawa, which was a no-brainer, uh, Jordan Spieth, Billy Horschel, Cam Young, Max Homa, and Kevin Kistner. So those last couple, Max Homa and Kevin Kistner, a bit of a surprise, but... Alas, they're there, and I think that's a pretty deep team, Team USA. But, I mean, the team does lack a little star power and intrigue with no DJ or P. Reed or Bryson or Kepka or even Mickelson as an honorary captain as he's been in the past. And at some point, I think, you know, the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup, they got to get over this whole LIV issue when it comes and just allow the best players and not just the best players on the PGA Tour. One of the things I was also thinking is that maybe LIV needs to create some sort of international competition to try and compete with the PGA Tour, what they're doing with the President's Cup, something bigger, something more outlandish, something like in Las Vegas, um, you know, something similar to what the match is, but just do it with, you know, international teams. But hey, I'm not Greg Norman, so maybe I'll send him an email and get him going on that because uh, anything he can do to knock off what the PGA Tour is doing, you know, he's going to listen to it. But I like this team. I mean, Patrick Cantley, guy who's won this year. He's one of the best young players in the world. Xander Shoffley also won this year. He hadn't won in a couple of years, which I found surprising, but got his W. We have Justin Thomas, 
former FedEx Cup Player of the Year, Sam Burns, one of the hottest young players on the planet, and then Tony Finau, who got his two back-to-back -back wins this year. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, where Finau is one of those guys who's benefited greatly with some of those names I just mentioned leaving for LIV because he's gone from like a 1B guy to a 1A almost superstar on the PGA Tour. He's on the cusp of it, but Tony, a really good guy and a damn good golfer and a perfect addition to that Team USA team. Now, Morikawa can beat anyone in the world. I mean, th this guy at some point, I think he's going to be the number one player in the world. If he hasn't already, he's certainly going to be in that mix again. I look out for a huge year for him. Jordan Spieth, you know, on any day, he can beat anyone or he can completely blow up. Billy Horschel, I think this is more, him being included is more a reward and a pat in the back for him being one of the biggest spokesmen on behalf of the PGA Tour. And maybe Jay Monahan gave a little handshake to Davis Love and said, you know, make sure uh, Billy Horschel's included because he's been one of the best soldiers and spokesperson for the PGA Tour and talked about it earlier. You know, he went on his orchestrated media campaign slagging LIV. So not that Horschel isn't good. Um, I just think there may be some bigger names, but I think that's something had something to do with it, him being included. Cam Young's had an outstanding season. Max Holm, a great young player. I just think there's a lot of better players than him. And Kevin Kistner, he's had a good run, but whatever, alas, he's going to be included. But anyways, the President's Cup international team already consists of Adam Scott, Maito Pereira, Tom Kim, Canadian Corey Connors, Hideki Matsuyama, and Sung J Im. And then this week, Captain Trevor Immelman added Cam Davis, Siwoo Kim, Christian Bezdewiden Hoot. I don't even know how to say this guy's name. I've, I'm pretty sure he's a South African guy. I've seen his name. Uh, KH Lee, Sebastian Munoz, and another Canadian, Taylor Pendrith. Bit of a surprise that Pendrith got in. He had a good three-month run but was injured prior to that and didn't even play for some time and then was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour not long before that. And I know a lot of Canadian media and Canadian fans are excited that Pendrith got in, but I'll be honest and say, I don't care. <laughs> the names on the international team, it's a complete snooze fest. I'm not tuning in to watch Taylor Pendrith and KH Lee and Sebastian Munoz and Christian What's-His-Face. Uh, I'm guessing the TV ratings on this are going to be absolutely abysmal. Now, I'm Canadian, so I have a mild interest knowing that Corey Connors and Pendrith have been included because I've followed their careers closely over the past couple of years, past four or five years anyway. But if you're an American golf fan or European golf fan or Asian golf fan, do you care one iota that Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith are on this team? People are probably like, who? Like, who the hell is Taylor Pendrith? I know about him because, you know, worked with Golf Talk Canada before, as I've mentioned on the show, and we followed his career. We're writing articles about him on our website for a couple of years now and saying, hey, watch out for this guy. So I'm well aware who Taylor Pendrith is, but to be honest, I don't really care that he's on the team. He's been playing some good golf, and it's a good reward, but it uh, doesn't move the needle anyway whatsoever. Now, based on the names and their lack of playing time in a hostile atmosphere that comes with playing in a President's Cup, because they're going to get rowdy. I've got to think the Americans are just going to roll over them. Aside from Hideki Matsuyama, I got to think every other international player is going to be a huge underdog when facing their American counterpart. I mean, what experience does Connors and Pendrith have playing in that kind of atmosphere? None. And so I looked up the odds, and the American team is the betting line favorite with current odds at minus 649 for Team USA, which is a huge favorite. Uh, the international team is at plus 510, and then for a draw, plus 1300. So what they're saying is, you know, what Vegas thinks is the Americans are going to kill them as well. 
The Yanks have dominated the President's Cup historically since its inception in 1994, winning all but two events. The international team took home the trophy at Royal Melbourne in 1998, and then they tied in 2003 at the Fancourt Hotel and Country Club down in South Africa. So all signs point to another Team USA win. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Subscribe to This Week in Golf on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Go back and listen to some of the past shows on Spotify, some really good ones. I really like my RBC Canadian Open wrap-up. You know, I'm interviewing every single guy there. I've got interviews with Scotty Scheffler and uh, Justin Rose, Tony Finau. I mean, everyone. I spoke to just about it, other than Rory, because he's only, you know, allowed uh, time with PGA Radio and CBS Sports. They don't allow him to to go in the regular scrum. But I talked to all of them, and I think that was a really good show. My interview with Armin Contain to start off, who's the author of the Definitive Tiger Woods book, is one of the best interviews I've ever done. It's a really fascinating listen. Go back and check that out. We also had Bob Harrigan, the famed Sports Illustrated writer, former ESPN guy. He wrote the Tiger and Phil book. It's a really good interview. We talked for about 30 minutes. We go actually went and bought the book, read it. So Bob Harrigan and I had a really good conversation. Go check that out. Some of my LIV takes are awesome, if I may say so myself. Go check out some of my LIV content where I'm explaining to you, like, hey, this thing's going to be big. It's going to take over the PGA Tour. I was on it really early. So there we go. Yeah, go check out some of our past episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. So stick around. Coming up next segment, we'll check in on Brooke Henderson this week, as well as some interesting comments from Eddie Pepperell, who was over at the BMW PGA Championship. Eddie, one of the most eccentric guys on tour, who's always got something great to say. Just did a little interview, and I got a little chuckle out of it, so I'll play that for you. We'll talk more PGA Tour and LIV news coming up after the break. I'm Chris McKee. You're listening to This Week in Golf on Saga 960. You're tuned in to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee, on Saga 960. Stream us live at Saga960AM.ca. You're tuned in to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee, on Saga 960. Welcome back to This Week in Golf on Saga 960. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Thanks for joining me once again. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter, at Mr. McKee. Drop me a line. Let me know where you're listening from. Drop me any comments, any complaints, whatever. I'm always up for a good conversation. Also, don't forget to subscribe to This Week in Golf on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. So I wanted to run through some news and notes, some more info here for LIV. Just announced Monday night, one of the top players in college golf over the past few years has announced he's turning pro just before the start of his senior season at Arizona State, and he's joining, drumroll, LIV Golf. So David Puy, which is... Spelled P-U-I-G. He's Spanish, so that's kind of how they say it. But but he announced his decision on Instagram on Monday night, and he's going to be making his professional debut this week in LIV in Chicago at Rich Harvest Farms. One interesting note is that Phil Mickelson went to Arizona State. He's an alum, so there's your LIV connection. 
Mickelson's probably seen this young man knowing, hey, this guy's going to be a superstar, so put the bug in Greg Norman's ear, and now he's on LIV. So Puy just turned 20. He's already played in two LIV events uh, as an amateur, finishing 40th at the inaugural event just outside of London and finishing in 42nd place at Trump Bedminster in New Jersey. So Puy's going to be joining LIV's Torque GC team, which is captained by Joaquin Neiman. So perhaps the two of them can speak Spanish together. Neiman's Chilean and then uh, Puy is Spanish. So this is it. You know, that one of the things that Rory McIlroy even talked about this past week was that, you know, oh, basically all the guys going to LIV or let's face it. It was a quote. They're on the back end of their career. Well, here's Puy, who's 20. He's got his whole career in front of him. This guy's looks to be a future star at least or a damn good player. Then you had Cam Smith, who's, what, 28, who just joined last week at the peak of his fame, at the peak of his whole career. And so this whole notion that they're getting the old guys is just not necessarily true, but it's a talking point that Rory likes to keep putting out there, as well as Billy Horschel and all the other good PGA Tour soldiers. But you know, we talked about LIV being in Chicago this week, and earlier in the show I was talking about the LPGA Tour playing in Bush League cities and you know, what was once a great city in Ottawa and in Arkansas and five events in Florida and a couple other small towns, but LIV's playing Chicago. Before that, they played in London and Boston and New Jersey, which is just outside New York City. For anyone that's flown into Newark and New Jersey knows it's about a 10, 15-minute taxi into downtown Manhattan. I mean, barring traffic or and, and tolls and all that stuff, but it's not that far away. So it's basically New York City, not small towns and little Bush League cities. So the LPG Tour needs to take a page out of what LIV is doing and getting some better cities. But I'm excited for LIV. Don't forget, it's on CHCH here in Hamilton. So if you do want to watch it, obviously it's also on YouTube, so you can watch it for free. But it is on TV. Check it out, Channel 11 in the Hamilton area or any one of the Saga 960 listening area can get that, I'm sure, on their regular cable. The PGA Tour also back this week with the Fortinet Championship down in beautiful Napa Valley, California, which is not to be confused with the PGA Tour Canada Fortinet Cup, which is happening down in Kitchener-Waterloo upcoming this week. So shout out to Scotty Pritchard and everyone involved with the PGA Tour Canada. Wish you guys luck and a great event this week. The following week is the President's Cup, and then they're back to the regular PGA Tour schedule. So some of the key events happening. The Masters is going to take place April 6th to 9th. We're not getting two Masters this year because, remember, because of all the government restrictions and nonsense, we had a Masters in November and then the one in April. Um, and so, by the way, think of all those government restrictions for what? For what? I mean, I could do a whole show on that, but, you know, canceling Masters and March Madness and all this stuff. And, you know, once some of these athletes figure out in a few years that all of that was for nothing, you're going to see some pretty angry people may see, and maybe some lawsuits to follow. But another big event on the PGA Tour calendar is the PGA Championship, which next year is happening in Rochester, New York, May 18th to 21st. So that may require a road trip down there, down in Rochester. That's not too far from me. I'm out in the east end of Toronto. So to boogie down, we're looking at about four hours probably to get to Rochester, maybe three. So may make that drive. Depending if the Arrive Can app is done by them, because I'm not using it, I'll never download it, and I don't think you should either, um, because it's uh, it's unCanadian. We're we're allowed to travel back and forth. We don't need apps to prove who we are, or what we do. But um, yeah, that's my take on that. But the RBC Canadian Open taking place at Oakdale in Toronto, June 8th to 11th, which is the week before the U.S. Open. So still a great spot in the calendar for the RBC Canadian Open. And the U.S. Open this year is going to be down in Los Angeles, which that sounds really juicy. I'll definitely be tuned into that. And then, of course, the Open Championship takes place at Royal Liverpool, July 20 to 2023. So mention off the top, my parents are from Liverpool, England. I'm the first one of my family born in Canada. So that was one I 
really wanted to get to. So hopefully, if it's in the cards, I'll be heading over to Liverpool to go check out the Open Championship. But I'm not holding my breath. I have been there several times, about five or six times to Liverpool. I've gone to watch Liverpool play. It's one of the greatest atmospheres you'll ever see in sports, whether you're into soccer or not. Highly recommend going, checking out a game if you're over in Europe because just the energy is ridiculous. But still several PGA tournaments in Bush League cities like Blaine, Minnesota and Lucasville, Kentucky. But some of them got to go, but still some great events happening in 2022 and 2023. So one of the things I wanted to get to off the top when I was talking about the BMW PGA Championship in the opening segment over in England was this Eddie Pepperell interview. For those unfamiliar, Eddie is one of the most eccentric characters in golf. He has been on the PGA Tour in the past, but it seems like he's playing mostly on the DP Tour over in Europe over the past year or two. And he is English, so he's still got that going for him. But he's also one of the best followers on Twitter in all of golf. Like, this guy doesn't care what anybody thinks of him, and his tweets are sometimes amazing and sometimes painfully uncomfortable, which sums up exactly what this interview is as well. Have a listen to Eddie Pepper all this weekend over at Wentworth. Thomas Dietrich mentioned that just a minute ago, that he was playing with you and you had no driver in the back. 7,300 yards wet. It can't be short. No, it isn't. But, um, you know, I think I've hit about 28 houses around here in my history, and uh, I said to Thomas out there that... There's just far too much scar tissue for me to bring a driver out around this place. And actually, I haven't used the driver for a year and a half anyway. I mean, I've got a mini driver, which is my driver, but even that didn't didn't come out. So as soon as I put a tee in the ground here, I, I don't know, I start to just shake uncontrollably with uh, anxiety, really. So, so much to unpack in that short clip. How the heck can a guy play golf on some of the best tours in the world without a driver in his bag? How is that even possible? I mean, how can a guy compete with guys who can bomb drivers 360, 380 yards, and he doesn't even have one in the bag. That's bizarre. No driver. Secondly, he also mentioned he's hit about 28 houses in his career at that one course at Wentworth. I mean, I played St. George's a few months back, which has, you know, multi-million dollar houses all surrounding the course. And I never came close to hitting any of them. Uh, played a couple courses in Vegas that have some really beautiful houses surrounding it. Rio Seco was one. And I can't remember the other course that we played, but beautiful, beautiful houses all around it. Never came close to hitting it. But here's a professional golfer allegedly hitting houses 28 times. So I thought that was pretty funny. But here we have a pro hitting it, hitting these houses and admitting it. And in three, he closes out by explaining that he trembles with an anxiety every time he puts a tee in the ground. I mean, how is this guy even playing professional golf? But it, it's funny because early in the interview, I didn't even play it because he, he had a clip talking about how he was staying up all night and he didn't get any sleep and he was arguing with someone. And But he just went on this kind of weird rant. And I thought, well, that's not going to translate on radio, so I'm not going to play it. But Eddie Pepperell delivering gold, I, I just can't get enough of this. You know, I think I've hit about 28 houses around here in my history. And uh, I said to Thomas out there that, there's just far too much scar tissue for me to bring a driver out around this place. And actually, I haven't used the driver for a year and a half anyway. I mean, I've got a mini driver, which is my driver, but even that didn't didn't come out. So as soon as I put a tee in the ground here, I, I don't know, I start to just shake uncontrollably with uh, anxiety. Really. So thank you so much, Eddie Pepperell. You're the gift that keeps on giving. So as you know, every week on this show, we have a segment of what's Brooke Henderson up to. Well, this week, Brooke turned age 25. So congrats to Brooke Henderson. Happy birthday. It made me think like what I was doing at age 25. I was an agent at a smaller booking agency. This was the year before I got hired at the biggest agency in the country, but I just had a baby. My daughter was about a year old. I was still DJing at raves and nightclubs all across North America, if you can believe that. 
<laughs> yes, I was a DJ in a past life. I was also running a club night down on Adelaide called The Living Room. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm sure it's a condo now. But I had a, a weekly Thursday night that I was DJing at as well as a bunch of other parties all across Canada and the U.S. I DJed as far as Atlanta. I was out in Vancouver, B.C., Calgary, Edmonton, all of Montreal. I mean, you name it. Uh, Detroit, Rochester, a couple of places across the U.S. border. I was a pretty good DJ back in my day, but now I talk about golf. So that's what I was doing at 25, and Brooke Henderson is out there winning championships. So Brooke had a decent week this week down in Cincinnati uh, at the Corger Queen City Championship. She finished T18. She was in the top 10 heading into Sunday, but faltered a bit and shot 73 in her final round. Disappointing finish, but she still played really well all throughout the week aside from Sunday. So since the U.S. Open, Brooke Henderson has had seven starts with two wins, six top 20 finishes, and she has a scoring average of 68.9. So just some incredible stuff from Brooke Henderson right there. And and she just continues to trend in the right direction. So I'm certain Brooke Henderson's going to get another win before the calendar year 2020 is up. Write it down. So I was going to get into some of this stuff about Keith Pally, some of the audio he has. But in all honesty, it was just a little boring and monotonous for me. And uh, we're running out of time, so I didn't want to get into it. Also had a story about a 16-year-old girl who would never played a round of golf and got a hole-in-one on that first round of golf, so pretty incredible. A young girl named Kathy Koch. Go look that up. It's on Golf Digest. You can read the story. Pretty interesting. But, um, yeah, I, here, here I am. I've been playing golf for, you know, about 35 years. Never hit one. I came close a couple times because I grew up playing at Dentonia and Scarborough, which is a par three. And a couple of them, yeah, rolled around the lip of the cup. Couldn't drop for me. But I'm not done yet. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep trying. So, you do that too. But so thanks for listening to me here on This Week in Golf. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Subscribe to This Week in Golf on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, tune in next week and every Tuesday at 7 p.m. and also catch some of the repeat airings of This Week in Golf. Thanks for listening. Check me out next week. You're listening to This Week in Golf with your host, Chris McKee on Saga 960. I was left to my own devices. Many days fell away with nothing to show. And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love. Great clouds all over. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.